My name is Daniel. And I'm Sarah. And we're your hosts of The Disciples Mike, a podcast produced by Woodbury Lutheran Church in Woodbury, Minnesota. And this show is all about learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And on this episode, we are talking with Tom Fotenauer, senior pastor at Woodbury Lutheran Church, looking at the problems that arise when we only focus on the past. Through our conversations, you'll learn about the tensions we have between past traditions and future changes, why humans tend to view the past as better than the present, and what the necessary mindset is that disciples of Jesus should have when navigating these conversations of tradition versus changes. So sit back, get ready. This is the Disciples Mike. It just cut out there. I should have faded that. Nope. Should have been a fade. Should have been a fade. Dang it. Take it all again. Take it all again. Good morning. <laughs> Good Kibo. morning. Good morning. It is a gloomy morning in the Twin Cities area. Um, yep. Sarah, were you... I, so I was with Tom when this happened yesterday. Where were you when, when, when that hailstorm happened? I was down. I was downstairs finishing editing Kidsman videos, and I just heard it, and I'm like, man, it's raining hard. And then I heard it again. I'm like, oh, nope, that's... My rental is going to love all of this hail. <laughs> Didn't even rain. Just hail. Yeah. Never just seen hail. it. Just full on hail. And like big hail. Big hail. Too. And it was funny because we're like, we're mid recording. I'm like doing the offering. Yeah, I was for wondering what part of the service yeah, you were at. I'm doing the, the offering moment for the online service. And then we have a video playing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to talk after the video. And mid video, we just hear this boom. And then, and at first, I'm like, did someone like throw some, like, uh, you know, throw a rock at the church or something? Throwing rocks at our our church now. And then, oh gosh, that was. I'm sure it was loud with the copper roof too. So loud, it was crazy. And I'm wondering, like, is this getting picked up by like I don't know the mics or anything like that? Yeah, it might get picked up. I don't know. I mean, it was during the video, so I think James might be able to. Cut it out. I don't know. No hail damage on my car, though. Same. I was, surprised. I was shocked yeah. by that. I was really shocked. Yeah. So they don't, you know, maybe they make cars better than uh, better than before. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. They make cars better than they did before. <laughs> than they did before. So are there more wheels in the world or doors? <laughs> We're actually I just f- going to rehash. Like I feel like I've discussed this before. <laughs> I don't know where we landed last time we had you on. Uh, that's, that's a great segue, Tom. That this is... You are the first person that we are having on again, which, wow. It's, again, you can set the bar either really low or really high. But it's only because I'm a substitute because <laughs> Pastor Dean is sick. So. Tom, we don't want to say that. I know, but... but you're our first second choice. First, I, I've, I'm used to that. <laughs> Your first second choice. It's beautiful. Well, I can't remember. Yeah, no, we definitely did have this last time you were on, but we have now uh, added more professionalism to our... Uh, most famous legendary segment that we have every week, which is Sarah's Random Question. We have sound effects now. I've been listening to the podcast. Oh, okay, cool. You're a listener. Of course I'm a listener. Oh my gosh, let's go. (laughs) We're having our fans on, Sarah. (laughs) Also our senior pastor. Also my boss. (laughs) (laughs) So Sarah, Um, what do you got for us today? So I thought of this question before you and I even talked that this is what we were going to be talking about today. Um, So the three of us are in three different decades. So we've got the young whippersnapper uh, in your 20s. That's me. Yep. I'm in my 30s. Tom, you're in your 40s. Mid 40s. Mid. Well, that's still. It's still. I'm. (laughs) I'm smack dab right in the middle. Right in the middle. Um, Tom, did I tell you that Daniel called me middle aged a couple of weeks ago? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say. People could see my face right now. Yeah, he called me. He called me middle aged after staff meeting couple of weeks ago <laughs> okay I, i'm trying to remember what was the context there was, that there was, there no, context was there no context. context you just called me middle you know age. when you talk a lot in your life you sometimes say some uh things that you wish you didn't say yeah and uh i i apologize sarah thank you i'm not middle-aged so your question for the day is if you could go back to any like either age or age range what what age would you go back to Wow. This works perfectly for what we're talking about today and I didn't even Yeah, I've got it. I've got a wider range to think about. I know. I I don't have very many options. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I would definitely go back to being a kid. Like what's better than playing and 
hoping for presents and begging your parents for stuff and like very little responsibility. No, I have to pay for anything. Yeah, like you, the thing you worry about most is school and how long school is, but then summer's right around the corner and summer yeah. lasts forever and there's vacations and sports and... Summer was crazy as a kid of you literally woke up and had like no responsibilities. It was like, what do, what do I want to do today? You, like, do you, you never have days like that anymore. Like even days off, it's like... Got to go do this. Got to take care of this. Yeah. That's kind of like every day for a millennial, though, isn't it? Every, what do I want to do with the day? Yeah. yeah. No responsibility. No responsibilities. No responsibilities. We just blame, I'm sorry, We blame everything on the other generations. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. Right. So is there a, So if you had to like pinpoint like specific age, what would it be? You mean like range of a couple years or like one? One. One oh, year? Dear, what, what, what was the peak child age for you peak year of my life (laughs) (laughs) been all downhill (laughs) age 10 or 11 okay i like that i like that because still like so much i don't know like adventure kind of in in our minds you know what i mean and willingness to imagine things and so still have that imagination but yet could like leave the house and ride my bike around or go over to a friend's house without having to have parents do all that for you. Yeah. But still young enough to dream big. Right. Right. <laughs> like right across the street from our house, there used to be a pond and we built like the Ewok village in the <laughs> pond, you know, in those yeah. houses up yeah. in the trees and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And That's we, amazing. We didn't actually, it oh, okay. probably didn't look anything yeah. like But that. in your brain, that's what it is. Totally, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. Just to be able to go over there and play. and I do miss that, like building forts yeah. and stuff in the woods. And, Are and we all not that. supposed to anymore? I don't know. Can. I haven't built a fort in a while. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Would you <laughs> Sarah's like, guys, I do this. Every so what about you guys? <laughs> Sarah, we haven't heard from you. Uh, I, I say either my senior year of high school, so 17, 18, or... Like the 23 to 25. Those were, I had a really good senior year of high school because I was homeschooled, uh, but I was done with all of my schooling because I went to Math and Science Academy. And so I was, I met all of my requirements and everything. And I spent my senior year just hanging out, playing. So basically what you're saying is you were homeschooled your senior year, but you didn't do any school. No, <laughs> I think like my, my grandma, Wait a sec. my grandma did my, my grandma did my social studies and my, and Heidi Christ did my English. Lindsay Schmidt did gym. Like I just worked out with her and she was my gym teacher. And that. that was my senior year. Wow. Oh my gosh. So do we need to go back and see if you actually have a um, diploma? No, I, I legit, like one of my fears is that I never graduated high school because <laughs> I never, like I never took any tests. I never like got any diploma or anything. My mom's like, ah, you graduated. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> but I have like, I have a college diploma, so clearly I'm fine, but it's just the slightly convinced I didn't graduate high school. Daniel, what about you? <laughs> you know, it's funny in some ways, like I've, I've said this to Kaylee that I, I feel like right now is like in terms like I feels like the peak of my life um, in terms of I don't know. I just love the, the stage that I'm at. But if I had to go back, probably my like junior year of high school was really great um, in terms of just there was um, I was really close with all the guys that were a class ahead of me. In, on like the football team and we made it to the state championship that year in football um we won state in men's volleyball um there was that just whole year there was so much fun stuff we were dressing up for basketball games uh leading the student section which was awesome so i really do fit right in with dressing up uh, <laughs> the, the tendency for people to dress up here so were you a homecoming king you seem like a guy who would have been homecoming king or prom king. Well, thanks, Sarah. <laughs> um, I don't think we ha- no, we didn't even have a homecoming yeah. king or queen. I don't they think had we ever it, did they that. Just didn't tell you. Yeah, I it. just never won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think we had it. You were too busy lifting weights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Listening to Taylor Swift. That's that's it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a someone listen to our podcast and they came up to me. Oh no, it was someone at a, one of the guys at our elders meeting. He's like, "So Daniel, Taylor Swift, eh?" I'm like, "It's because Sarah mentions it on every, every episode. Every this episode. Is, yeah. This is this is so that was my that was my question, which ties in well to what we are talking about today. Uh, so WLC is starting a new sermon series called Seven Easy Ways to Derail the Church, which is looking at the most common things that get our church, like the church in general, off off track. And then looking at the early church of Acts and how they avoided these things. Now, like I'm thinking about this, and I think that this sermon series may be like it can feel uncomfortable to to some people. And we don't like we don't want to think that we are actively derailing our church, right? Like that's we hope <laughs> right. we hope that we aren't thinking that way. Although I meant, you know, it's funny in the online service I mentioned. Even if you are actively derailing it, there's grace for you too. So <laughs> it's okay. There's grace for you guys, but please don't. Uh, why do you think that these conversations are important to have? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of directed to both of us. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited for this sermon series. Um, first of all, just I think it's a funny name, although we had to revise it like many, many times to mm-hmm. <laughs> figure out. Right. You know, sarcasm is always kind of a tricky thing with uh, things you do in the church of getting a laugh. But, where you know, where's are you kind of crossing the line and stuff like that? Um, but I think it's cool, you know, on the negative side, I think we see a lot of um, churches that uh, are struggling or just things uh, in Christianity that are causing um, problems uh, to happen and, and to kind of that get us ultimately off the mission of, of going and making disciples of all nations, right? That's our, our main mission. Um, and so I'm excited for this because I, I think it's going to be one where at least for me and even being, you know, involved in the creation of this series uh, was very kind of convicting at times of like, oh, wow, okay, I've definitely done that or I've definitely kind of fallen into that. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about what about you, Tom? What are your thoughts on just kind of this series and I don't know, kind of where we're at culturally in terms of the church and, and all that. Yeah, I think it's super important and timely. And again, you, you, you covered it, you know, these topics can be a little bit uncomfortable and that's part of the point, right? That all of us will be thinking, Oh man, am I, am I doing that? Because I think some of the things we'll talk about are not like so overt that you would recognize them, but they can kind of be sneaky and they sneak their way into churches. And before you know it, like you're off, off track mm. without wanting to be off track or thinking about how these things might lead you into that place. And so they're important to talk about because thousands of churches in the United States are closing every year uh, in our own district here in the Minnesota South. Like we've got about 225 churches last year, 12 closed. So that's like 5%. So we're going backwards in terms of (laughs) negative growth. Um, Pastorally, you know, Barn Research has just said this last year, 40% of pastors, actually more than that, have given considerable thought to quitting the ministry just because the challenges through not only COVID, but I think it has brought to a head some of these problems that are there that can derail the church that people focus on more than the mission, which leads to frustration and burnout and um, all of all of those kind of things. So I think we need to talk about it, and we're using you know a little bit of a kind of a funny, sarcastic way to get at the topic, but it's going to be serious too, you know, right. but you got to right. sort of soften the blow. Yeah. And like on a topic of today, looking to the past, you know, the past is good as we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, and there's all kinds of great foundations and traditions and, you know, the, the past of Jesus dying and rising again is kind of the foundation of, of yeah. everything yeah. That, that we do, but uh, we don't want to get stuck inside the walls in the museum, but we want to be making sure we're we're continually looking outside and as we'll talk about making it easy for people to connect to Jesus. So removing barriers and oftentimes those barriers are things that 
we wouldn't even recognize as barriers because we're so in it. Um, but to a new person, they'd be like, what are you doing? Or this makes me feel awkward. And of course, there's going to be some of that in like a worship service or in a church. But right. how do we how do we take those things away? So I think for me, that's that's the heart of this whole thing is how do we make it easier for people to connect with Jesus? And how do we as a church stay focused on what is most important, and that is connecting people to to Jesus. Yeah, and I love how you said that it's kind of, with all of these seven ways, it's kind of sneaky, because a lot of times it flows out of something that's actually good, right? Yeah. You know, I I think where this conversation can also and go off, you know, off the rails is with the mindset of, okay, we just need to throw out all tradition, we need to change everything, you know, and I think that gets you in arguably even worse places yeah. uh, doing that as well. Um, so, and kind of navigating that. Um, but so this Sunday we are obviously looking at only focusing on the past and, and in this series we're going through and looking at the church of Acts, this early church that uh, wasn't immune to these issues, um, but they navigated these various issues and through them, they were able to kind of deal with them and thrive coming out of it. And so this last Sunday, we uh, are looking at Acts 15, uh, where you have the Jerusalem Council, the uh, first church council meeting, uh, exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they had, you know, Robert's Rules of Order and... They had to. Motions and seconds and agendas so. <laughs> and... Secretary, who took notes? At <laughs> who, the, who took notes? That well, is, I guess Luke did because here we that's go. That's very we true. Got it in Acts. So Acts, that is the, just the notes from Acts 15, notes from First Church Council meeting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but here, so kind of to you know set the stage for the person listening, in Acts 15, you have all these Gentiles. Uh, the Paul and Barnabas, they come to the, the Jerusalem Council, and they're reporting that uh, all these Gentiles are coming to the faith, which it's kind of funny. You hear that and you think everyone, right? Everyone should just be celebrating, yeah. like, let's go. The gospel is advancing. And yet you have this real resistant response by these Jewish Christians. Uh, and for, in some ways, be, for good reason, yep. right? They've they've had this whole uh, Jewish tradition, Jewish history that God established through uh, the covenant of circumcision, of that being how you were connected and kind of marked by uh, the family of God. And so now they're, in their mind, it's like, well, these people need to, you know, have have that happen as well. And so there's this kind of debate going wrong uh, between that. And, and in it, we see that tension between the past, you know, focusing on the past, the way we did things the war the way God did things mm -hmm. before, and now the present and the future and the new ways God might be bringing people um, into the faith. And so I'm curious for you, and and this can be you know our discussions today. It's less like grill Tom with questions and more conversational, <laughs> um, unless you want me to grill you with questions. You know, whatever it's your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's God's podcast, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's that's it's God's podcast. Yes, just, just kidding. That's maybe sticky waters there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm mean, I'm curious. In what ways do you think today we see that tension playing out in the church of uh, wanting to hold on to and and uphold our tradition and and the good things in that, but also recognizing we are in a very a changing culture. And there are maybe ways that uh, making changes does make it easier for people uh, to come to the gospel. And, and for either of you, ways that come to mind where you see maybe that tension playing out. Sarah, what do you got? Oh, geez, I have to go first. Uh, I think, like, we, Tom, you and I were talking yesterday about the different traditions and things that we remember from growing up here at, at WLC. And, and I see it working with kids and youth a lot of um, the things that, that worked when we were growing up are not the same things that work mm. now. Cause there's so like our kids are different. Teenagers are different. Um, 
we didn't, well, you did, we didn't have to worry <laughs> about like social media and, and things like that when we were in middle school. And yep. now we've got all these kids that are begging to let them, let their parents let them on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and all of these Starting things. at about seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's starting Crazy. younger and, and younger. And, and so we don't have to deal with that. And sometimes we can look back and be like, oh man. Remember the good old days where we didn't have these things that had all of our, like everything on them. But then we can look today and see like my, my phone is how I keep, like I keep up with my kids. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had a, a college kid who graduated last week and we talked every day during her undergraduate career from when she graduated high school until today. And it was because of social media that I got to hear about her life. And she mm -hmm. got to tell me uh, she was at, she went to Creighton. And so she attended King of Kings and served in kids ministry there. Cause she was like, Sarah, it felt weird to just attend church for a service. <laughs> I needed to get in and I needed to serve. And which like, that's, that's the goal guys. <laughs> that's the goal. That's, that's yeah, the goal. That's awesome. Um, and so we have these things, the pastor that are great. But when we don't embrace the things that are happening now, too, then I think we get lost. And so I think it's it's a both. It's a both and, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah, I think it's it's okay to reminisce and things like that, but we shouldn't stay back there because there's work to be done now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the challenge is, like with all of it, there's there's often not wrong and right answers. Yeah. Like I'll see it in deeply rooted traditions, and I've been at you know two churches now that I've served, and um, it's it's interesting that at both places, and Danny, you'll probably see this from the church you grew up with, versus here, like there are just kind of different traditions that mm -hmm. that grow and and come out of a particular place because it's unique to that place. It might be the way you do communion, for example. Like for years and years, we've always done it this way, so that's how we have have to do it. And it's not that it's bad; people have gotten used to it. They they like it, but mm -hmm. like my church in Florida, we 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 did like a continuous kneeling thing that was far different than what we did when I came up here to Woodbury Lutheran again. And it wasn't that one was right or wrong. It was just sort of what grew out of that place. We had kneelers there. We would kneel for our confession time. That was a huge deal to them down there. And they remodeled the sanctuary and they took out the kneelers and people were like, oh my gosh, oh, we have to kneel. Like if we were kneeling up here for our confession, people would think we were crazy, <laughs> you know, but it yeah. so much grows out of a particular place and then all of a sudden it's like, this is the way we have to do it, whatever it might be. And I'm not talking about like messing with the, you know, key parts of a worship service, right. like they're all there, but how you, how you do that, you know, we become so used to the model of it that we forget what it's actually about. And so, you know, you, you didn't kneel for confession today and so it didn't work. And you didn't even hear the words that were spoken during confession because you were so focused on the model mm -hmm. around it versus what it's actually supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened with circumcision. I don't know if we're going to get there, di deep dive into circumcision, but the, the <laughs> tradition of it was like, this is how, how God claims you and puts his mark on you, but it was really in a sense like baptism today, it was a means of grace. That was the means that it was happening, but they started to worship the tradition of that mm. instead of how God was working in it. And so they were missing the point then when it came to faith alone in Jesus. Like, no, you got to add this other stuff because that's how he gives it to you. And they're like, no, now you can just receive it freely. And so I think, you know, more than just like one particular glaring example that we hold on to the past what ha i think the big big issue is in whatever whatever it is whether it's like a modern worship style or a more traditional worship style or whatever your preference might be have you idolized that over what what it's actually meant to be doing 
how it's meant to carry, you know, God's grace and message and right. all of that. Yeah. And and it all going kind of through that lens of is this helping people get to know Jesus? Yeah. And so if a incredible traditional service is doing that, then let's keep on doing that. And if an incredible contemporary service is doing that, let's keep, you know, like that kind of being the lens over um you know, this is what I want. And, and, and to recognize with people that, you know, it's, it's hot when things change, you know, it's, and, and when we change things, uh, that's hard and that that's okay. Yep. That, that is okay. And, and we want to, you know, uh, we want to walk with you in that and, and we care, you know, we, we don't take that lightly. And you know, I any I know anytime we discuss any changes that might be happening, uh, that is something we think about. Is is you know, for for people, this is a really important thing. This is something that they care about a lot, and that's a beautiful thing. I think that's the beauty of tradition, right? It it's something that's safe. It gives us kind of structure and and uh, kind of this routine pattern amidst a world that can sometimes feel so chaotic. Yeah. Um, but again, I love what you said there. Despite all that, we can't be worshiping that. Yeah, and, and it's been especially hard, you know, COVID and all all of that stuff, where there's so much change happening in the world. And then when somebody sees a change in their church, it brings about fear. Mm. And I think it leads people to really quickly go, like, oh my gosh, you're moving away from the truth because we're doing something differently or our worship looks different or this looks different or we're not doing... So now my church is changing too. Mm. That's why I'm constantly talking about being married to the mission of Jesus, not the model of ministry. Like that's going to be different. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday, I was having a conversation with a young couple just coming on board as members and they're like, what's the, like the long-term vision for Woodbury Lutheran? Like, what do you hope happens? I'm like, well, right now, multi-site is what we're leaning into and we're connecting people to Jesus that way. But I don't know in 10 years if that's still going to be the model that's effective. Um, so we got to be open to how God might be, be moving and not just say, this is how we're going to, do it and dig in our our heels mm -hmm. uh, no matter what because stuff changes well at the same time being really rooted in Jesus in his truth in scripture all of those really important things are where we you know build off of it's not the model or the traditions right right and that's what it is at the root of it too that like what we should always be about is is going out and making disciples and and doing these things. It's just how that we like how we do it throughout the years is what's going to change, because our culture changes and and people change. And so a phrase that we hear a lot, and I think I've already said it multiple times uh, so far now, uh, is the good old days. Uh, it seems that whenever we think about the past, it it always seems better than what is happening in the present. Um, so why do you guys think that we view the past uh, through these rose-colored glasses, or as Daniel said while we were working on this, rosy-colored spectacles? <laughs> I thought it sounded cool. There's a great song by John Conley. Okay. Look it up. John Are you sing Con it for us? He's a country song. I could. He's a country song. Country singer, <laughs> yeah. like, but old-school country singer. Okay. And so he's back got a when song. country music was good. Yeah. So he's got a song called Rose Colored Glasses and it's it's amazing. So you should look it up on the YouTube. I will, I will look that up. Have you even heard of that artist before? Are they going to say have I ever heard of YouTube? I was like, <laughs> you have a yeah. channel. I know this. <laughs> I have. Uh, no, I've not heard that artist. Yeah, it sounds So funny. I've got a, a, an answer for this. <laughs> okay, great. Vicker did some research and uh, I can't remember the dude's name. Oh gosh. Felipe de Brigard? Yeah, I think so. I think so. A professor yeah. at Harvard? Harvard, yeah, like psychology. And so he stuff. discovered or talks about this thing called the... Um, fading effect fading bias. Fading effect bias. Yeah. And there's some actually science around this that says our minds to protect us, 
um, push out negative memories mm. and they keep positive memories. And so what happens is stuff that happened 20 years ago, like the example I use in my message this week is my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I better explain. Yeah, that was, that was, that's a, that, you were nervous. I was, when a, little, I it I was up. a little nervous. A little yeah. risky, right? <laughs> so we get there. My luggage is lost. There's the gift store. There's like one pair of shorts. So I'm in the same clothes for five days. The food wasn't great. Had us in the wrong room. All these things going wrong. But now, when I think back to my honeymoon 20 years later, all I remember are the really great things about it because this effect bias whatever thing fading effect bias yeah has pushed out some of those negative thoughts around that time as you've get get further yeah. away from that space whereas today you know i'm stressed about this or that and i i still haven't had those memories pushed out those negative mm -hmm. memories aren't gone yeah yet and so i think you know that made a lot of sense to me yeah and just this scientific kind of psych psychological yeah. explanation why in the past we've we forget a lot of the negative stuff and only the the positive memories remain and so that makes a lot of sense why we would look back at a, a time or a space and say it was all good you know there was nothing bad happening when the reality mm -hmm. was the world's been broken <laughs> since since right. day three or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it was interesting because in yeah in his research he said our you know our minds do it as a coping mechanism because if we had to, every time we thought about a negative experience, if we experienced the same negative feelings and emotions that we had at, at the time when it happened, that would be like unbearable for us. And so mm -hmm. we're actually wired to help soften that as time goes on, which, yeah, again, when I, when I discovered that, I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, but it is so funny, you know, I like you know, at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned one of my favorite times was junior year of high school. And I think back to like, um, football state champion, going to the state championship and stuff. But like, what I don't think about is all the like times during the football season that I was like so hard and, and the stuff that was like miserable yep. and, but you don't remember any of that. Instead you just, there's like those like key awesome moments um, that you hold on to. And, and because of that, there's this kind of lamenting of, Oh, I wish I could experience yep. that again. Yep. Um, I wish I could go back to that. But then I wonder if there's like, I think there's processing, like there's growth that comes out of when we realize, like when we think of the good things and then realize too, like, Oh shoot, like all of this stuff happened. Like I only recently, I think I, like I didn't, I didn't think my childhood was bad. Like it, it seemed normal to me. Um, my dad was sick, but that was, that was normal for us. That's what you knew. That's what we knew. And then the older I've gotten and the more I've talked to people, I'm like, oh dang, my childhood was kind of really sad. Like, yeah, I, I forgot all of the, like, I remember when I was five and my dad was super sick and I was at my grandparents and I called him cause he was at the, he was in the hospital and I asked him, I'm like, why can't, why can't you come home? Cause I was five and couldn't yeah. process that dad was too sick to, to leave. And he was like, well, I got to stay here and get a little bit better. And I'm like, no, like, why can't you come? Like, why do you live at the hospital? I don't understand this. But mm. all I think of, like, when I first think back of my childhood is playing hide-and-go-seek at HCMC <laughs> of winning over nurses, of my brother uh, hiding behind things to scare me, which I'm sure the <laughs> hospital staff loved. Nothing's changed with the Dibbern siblings <laughs> over the years. Yeah. And, and so I think there, there's growth and processing that can come from that, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I never thought of that, that our, our brain pushes out the negative to focus yeah. on the positive stuff. Well, and also what you were saying, our brain also normalizes everything. Yeah. And and I think that's because we want structure and uh, kind of this framework that we can live in that is our normal. And that's, again, why we are so resistant to change uh, because it's, it's a threat to that. Uh, what, it, you know, uh, is this, like, is this going to, is this going to be worse? Is this going to, you know, it's in a, almost an attack on that kind of framework that we have built. And so I think, you know, how can, you know, all of us, uh, 
both recognize that in ourselves, but also be walking with people yep. through that. Right. You know, any, any change, you know, if whether you're a, you know, head of a business or what, or any position where you might be in, in charge of bringing some change, uh, recognizing that that's difficult for people and that that's okay. And I mean, leadership really is moving people along at the rate of change that they can handle. Right. And so figuring out what, and it's obviously different for, for everybody, but if you go and change like everything, <laughs> you, you, you then you look behind you, there's nobody there following with you, right? you know, and walking people, walking with people, like you said, through it is so important and recognizing any change in our lives is, is loss. And so there's grief that comes with it, even if it's a good change, right? There's there's loss that comes from that. There's a wake that maybe has been left behind uh, in the midst of all of that. And so mm. let, letting people process that and speak it out loud, like that's, it's okay. Yeah. I even think about that with uh, my wife, Kaylee, and we're, ex- you know, expecting our first child here and the loss of it just being us two, mm-hmm. you know, like we're so excited, you know, so exciting and you know what we're looking forward to but there is you're you're losing that chapter of your life yep um and so there are just yeah it's interesting uh, emotions kind of going through all of that um when looking at at this chapter chapter 15 uh in acts here uh so they're having all these discussions right about uh what you know what should we do with all these all these gentiles but i love and this is like my favorite <laughs> verse here uh, that James says he stands up and and says to them, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And I just, man, I feel like that kind of encapsulate er, encapsulates. Is yep. that right? That's did I get good. that right? There you we go. There. That was good. Oh, you yep. should. Did you hear the episode where I was just butchering no. uh, staff names? <clears throat> uh, it was Samank. Uh, he can't pronounce Candy's last name. Chavi. Shavi. Shavi. Yeah, I did Chavier. Chavier. <laughs> She's a fancy, fancy French girl now. Chavier. <laughs> um, uh, but I love this. Uh, <laughs> I got totally thrown off there. Encapsulate. In- yes, encapsulates. There we go. Um, kind of our entire lens of how we navigate this whole, you know, traditions. You know, things in the past and also changes is I feel like everything uh, kind of has to go through this lens that James is setting for us here. And I'm curious for you, just kind of what are your thoughts on on that verse and then how, yeah, kind of the impact that that has on decision-making, on walking with people uh, through change and all of that? Yeah, there are, there are barriers that we can put up that we don't have to put up and those are the ones that we have to be really aware of. And then there are barriers to people coming to know God that we have no control over. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like how somebody grew up or the culture around us, or there's never, you know, an opportunity for us to connect with that person. Like those are barriers we maybe can't control, but then there are things that happen as people, walk into our spaces, for example, language that we use in worship, uh, language that we use when we're preaching, um, songs that we use, all those kinds of, kinds of things that can leave people going, huh, you know, what, what does that mean? Or I'm not familiar with that, that we would maybe take for granted, and especially like the three of us mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. grew up in church worker homes, all grew up in the church. Yeah. All, all like there, there's language that I use that I sometimes I stop and I think, wow, that is really weird. Yeah. Uh, even around communion, I think I use this as an example in the message this weekend. Uh, like, how weird is it that we say we're eating the body of Jesus and drinking the blood of Jesus? Right. If you are not a church person, if you haven't grown up in that, and like, this is the first thing you hear about why these people are getting up and going to an altar and receiving body and blood. Like that can be a little weird yep. if somebody isn't there walking right. you through it mm-hmm. and explaining it, and it could become um, 
a barrier. And so I, that's why it's important we always be thinking about the person who's maybe new um, or hasn't done this before. Like, why do we confess our sins? Well, we believe that we're sinful people and we need to, con- that's why we're we're doing this. Yeah. Why do we stand up for a, a, a reading? Well, because we want to honor God. And so this is his word. So we're going to stand up for this reading. Why do we do this time of prayer thing where there's one person up front praying? Well, because that's because it's the prayers of all of us, you know, coming mm. up through through one one person. Why do we spend 25 minutes talking about a piece of, of scripture? Well, because God's word is living and active. And so it can get it can get boring, I think, sometimes for people in the pews who've been there for a long time when we preach about Moses and we got to explain who Moses is. Mm. Because culturally, people have so little biblical literacy these days that you have to explain everything. Yeah. And so that might be a change or a sacrifice for someone who goes, well, why don't you guys go deeper into this stuff? Well, we're just trying to bring people along who maybe have never heard of this thing called grace or might be the first time they've heard Jesus died and rose from the dead yeah. for them. Oh, I've heard that again. Yeah. This is so boring. Why do you keep <laughs> saying that? Because we're trying to bring people along and remove yeah. remove barriers. So I think those are some practical ways, yeah. at least for me. Um, and then in our ceremonies and the way that we go about um, worship and those, those kind of things, we just have to be careful um, in terms of how we're Connect and knowing that it's it's different in our church. We're so generational. You've got the kids, the seven year old that want to be on TikTok, mm-hmm. to the ninety year olds who you know don't know what TikTok is. <laughs> I don't think they're on TikTok. Probably, uh, probably not. I wonder who our oldest <laughs> member is on TikTok. We should find that out. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Me probably. I don't know. Then you got everybody. You are middle aged, so. Oh, geez. <laughs> we got everybody in between. So how do you minister to to that entire swath of yeah. of people in a way that connects with all of them and preferences and all that sort of stuff? So yeah, if you're always running after preferences for any age group, you're just going to be chasing your tail, mm-hmm. right? So again, focused on on Jesus and that that scripture of making it easy for those who are are turning to God. Not putting undue regulations is really what he's talking about in that verse. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. no, you don't have, it's not circumcision plus Jesus. It's just Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what are those pluses that we sometimes add? It mm-hmm. might be how you dress or even what you believe as a new person coming in. What are those pluses that we we can sometimes add? You know, I got to shout out uh, Brad Miller because uh, he does a really great job at helping, I think, all of us think about that very thing of how is a new person hearing this? I know he's, he's you know, talked with me uh, a few times about that of just, you know, how is the language that we're using uh, being received by a new person? And, you know, I, I think think especially kind of culturally, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of people who aren't uh, very biblically literate and, and, you know, we could say, oh, well, they just need to figure that out or we could walk with people where they're at. And, and so maybe, you know, I've, you know, faced that challenge in writing sermons. I'm sure you have as well of that balance of you have on the one hand, the person who's been in the pews for 60 years and they probably know more about the Bible than we do. And, (laughs) and you know, they're, they're there. And then you have someone who's walked in and never heard about Jesus. You know, this is their first time here and it's, you know, uh, and that's a little bit where you just, you know, trust the Holy spirit, to try to take your words and to meet both people, um, where they're at. But, yeah, it doesn't mean you change everything, right? right? And throw out everything you've done. Oh, people are confused about new person won't know communion, so we'll never do communion again, right? Right? You have to meet them, yeah, where they're at in the midst of, yeah. And it's such a tension because there are going to be some things that just inherent, right? Like you mentioned, we're not going to stop doing communion. Like that's a very <laughs> central <laughs> part. But okay, well, how in that? How can we walk with people exactly and help this? Okay, this may seem really weird to start. Um, but hey, let's let's talk about it. Let's let's walk with people in that. And you never get there because hopefully you always have 
new people that are stepping mm, in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like I had a conversation with a member, I don't know, six, eight months ago. And they're like, I wish we had more mature people in our church, like spiritually mature. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like other mature. I'm like, I have a they lot of chickens. Probably that, they probably you know. listen to the podcast. They're like, <laughs> we need more mature people in the church. Sarah and Daniel aren't good. Nope. You know, what they were saying is I wish you like had more people who were, I don't know, fa- uh, mature in their faith further along yeah. in their yeah faith further along in their maybe. journey and i thought well if we ever get to that point then we're actually not very mature because mature people are bringing in new people who mm-hmm. are inherently not quite mature yet yeah. and so there's always there should always be you know a spectrum in a good way of of people when it comes to following jesus some who are further along than others and some who are just starting and if we ever get to a place where we don't have people who are just starting then our church is dying, right? Yeah. And we have been effectively derailed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, there's a shift of mindset, too, of this is the however many thousandth time I've heard the words of institution. Um, but the, like you can hear things a lot, and then you hear it again, and you're like, I never thought of it that way. Yep. And so you've got these, these newer people that are hearing this for the first time, that Jesus died for them, that, that he is present in these, in these elements that we partake in, um, that his, his grace is for us, and they're hearing that for the first time. But then there's someone coming in. Um, like I think of, of my grandpa, who was a Marine in World War II, and he... What he did was he loaded um, he loaded bombs into fighter jets that would go and do, you know, bombings. And he said that he remembers pilots could always tell when they weren't coming back. Mm. And he would, these men would come up to him and say, well, Dick, this is the end for me. And they wouldn't come back. And he, like, they could tell. And so my grandpa carried the weight of, of the fact that him loading this, whatever he loaded in, was responsible for who knows what. And so he carried that weight with him. And my grandpa was a devoted follower of Jesus, avid servant, all of these things. But he carried that weight no matter how many times he heard that he was forgiven. Yep. And, mm. and all this stuff until Dean Nadesty preached a sermon on forgiveness. And my grandpa heard it differently it was the how many thousandth time that he yep. had heard that he was forgiven. Yep. But he heard Dean say those words to him. And my grandpa suddenly was like, God forgives me for what I did. And so it, no matter how many times we hear it, God still reveals himself to us just as much as to the person that's hearing mm. it for the first time. Yeah, that's so good. And I think that that's a, a, a shift of mindset for, for those who are hearing it, yep. that God still reveals himself to us. Yep. Um, and so it seems like in our culture, there tends to only be two options when it comes to church, that you only stick to the past and tradition, or you throw all of that out and change everything. Um, so is there a way, and we've kind of we've touched on it already, uh, that the past and present can live in a both and instead of an either or? Totally. Yeah, I think we do a pretty good job of, mm-hmm. of that. Um, y- you have to, right? We got to celebrate all that God has done, uh, especially in our, in our church, if we're thinking just our church in particular, you know, 54 years of history, uh, incredible relationships that have been developed between people over those years. Think of the thousands of, literally thousands of baptisms and confirmations, weddings, a couple of years ago, I tried to do the math on like how many worship services have we had in our church's history, and, I'm like, oh, and then I forgot the midweek ones. I'm like, oh, forget uh, it, yeah. you know. Um, how many times we've experienced communion together? How many songs we've sung together? Hymns and praise songs, and heard solos, and all. I mean, just it's it's overwhelming when you think of 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 that. But also, then an incredible posture toward what can be like celebrating the past, giving thanks to God for that. It shapes us, it forms us. There's things that that we continue to do that we've done for a long time, um, but it's always pushing us outward, right? I think you said it, Daniel, the 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 call of Jesus to go make disciples, it's, it's future-oriented, it's action-oriented, it's movement-oriented, it's forward-focused. Yeah. Um, but it's not about outrunning 
like our past. It's building on that. And then someday, you know, hopefully there'll be people standing on our shoulders who are doing the same thing and it will be different. Mm -hmm. It will be better. It will be better (laughs) than what we're doing today uh, when it is somebody else. But like, this is our call for now at this time to step into uh, this place and to lead uh, following Jesus and then stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. And then after us, there'll be people who will be standing on our shoulders and hopefully they'll, you know, do some of the things that we've done, but also do a whole lot of, of, of new stuff all built on Jesus. Right. We can, we can focus, we can only focus on the past once everyone's been saved. (laughs) But until then, until then, uh, we, yeah, we have to keep uh, future oriented and yeah, they'll probably change. They'll probably, you know, look back on our generation and be like, I don't know why they did that, but we'll change that. And, you know, as long as we're being faithful to the scriptures and, and what the Bible, you know, says, then I hope they change stuff for the better so that, you know, it's, I, I love it kind of to close here. I love the the other reading we have this Sunday is from Paul where he says, uh, even though he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he became all things uh, to all people so that some might uh, be reached with the gospel. And that's really the kind of the posture that I think is at the heart of this entire conversation of, of tradition, of changes, of how are more people being reached with the gospel and how can we remove uh, those obstacles for them? Well, Tom, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, for the listener, you know, if you're uh, maybe not part of the WLC community, uh, if you want to hear uh, Pastor Tom's sermon kind of around this topic, uh, you can head on over. We have a YouTube channel, Oh, Woodbury Lutheran Church, Sarah's approving my promotion of our YouTube channel. I am. She's giving me an approval. Social media manager an approval approves. nod. Podcasts as well, right? Podcasts. Yeah, check out our podcast. Of the yeah. yeah. Of the messages. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Not just this yeah. podcast. Gotcha. Oh, okay. I, I thought we have you were two I, separate, Daniel. This is one, yeah. and then our sermons are another one. Yeah. I thought you were promoting our podcast <laughs> As we on our podcast. I'm like, too. Tom, I think they know. That, <laughs> no, that makes yeah, yeah. That's a good point. The sermons are on podcast form as well, which is a great way uh, to listen. But I want to thank you all uh, for spending today with us. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show and you want to support us, uh, we would love if you subscribed to the podcast. We release a new episode. Uh, weekly. Uh, We are planning on having Pastor Dean Donovan on uh, next week, so really looking forward to that. Uh, And also, the most helpful thing you can do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. Five star. Uh, Five star. Yes. Only five star. uh, Only five star, but also leave a comment. Uh, Yeah, say, you know, what parts did you like the most? Do you like... uh, how much Sarah makes me butcher names. You know, is that your favorite part of the whole podcast? It's my favorite part. It's of the Sarah's podcast. favorite part. Uh, but any information from today's episode, along with our contact info, if you want to reach out to us, will be in the show notes below. But I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you are able to join us as we all come together on this journey of learning how to be more faithful disciples of Jesus together. <laughs>